pile of you. Um, uh, so Jane and I were out of town. We were uh, helping our uh, oldest son and, and our daughter-in-law. They had a new baby, so we were there for the week. Caring for the baby is awesome. Yeah. Really don't know how people do it with new babies. I'm pretty sure it's impossible. Though we have three ourselves, it's a miracle they're alive. What's interesting is we were in Cincinnati, and uh, Jane and I a couple of times ended up on a road, and we walked, we drove past a church called Kenwood Baptist Church. And if you remember, Adam began his message with God, Yahweh, doing unexpected things in unexpected places. And he started with Kenwood Baptist Church. So I'm driving. It took me a couple of times. I drive by, and I said, Jane, it's Kenwood Baptist Church. God's over there. Because <laughs> Adam said so. I found myself looking for God at Kenwood Baptist Church. I mean, because I just thought it was a great message. So um, if you're looking for a place to look for God in an unexpected place, I just want to give a plug because I'm the prayer and teaching pastor. I want to give a plug for prayer. Um, come to our ministry team training this coming Saturday. Learn how to pray for people because when you pray for people, ministry team or out in the you know, wherever you go, you will see God show up in unexpected ways and unexpected places. So that, that happens this Saturday, and you can find that online. Um, uh, come to the treasure hunt that happens once a month. Sarah Hunt leads that treasure hunt, and we just, they just gather on a Saturday morning, ask God for clues, and go out and find what God is doing in the world, unexpected places and unexpected ways. So there's my plug. Um, Hearing Adam speak last week, though I wasn't here, I, I heard, um, about God's presence. And then Adam's email, if you remember, if you read it, it was about declarations at the end. Um, the, the sort of bold move of believing what God has said, acting like it's true, and declaring it, even though you don't experience it. And that got me thinking about promises. So I just want to take some time this morning and talk about the promises of God. Our relationship with God is based on promise, right? He promises to us, I'll protect you, I'll save you, I'll guide you, I'll empower you, I'll care for you, I will provide for you. And our promise to him, God will follow you, will love you, will worship you, will trust you no matter what, in spite of our feelings and our circumstances. Lots of relationships are um, based on promise, right? If a contractor comes into your home and you say, I'm going to give you money and you're going to fix my toilet. So we come down very the mundane, right? That's a promise. I'll give you money. It will work, right? So many of our relationships in the world, in our lives, are based on promise. Expectation is a part of promise. You say you're going to do something and I can expect it will happen because you promised. So... Um, just let you know, this morning's going to be a little bit more teachy and a little less preachy. So if you want to take notes, you can. All my notes will be on the, on the web. But I'm encouraging you to listen this morning as a disciple. Listen this morning as a student. Many of the things I will say, you'll say, I know that already. But I'm asking you to, to have the heart of a beginner this morning. Listen again to see what God might say. Expect, here's the, trans, here's the uh, definition, to look out for, to hope, to long for, to anticipate, in a figurative sense, to regard as about to happen. 
to count on, to trust or rely on. And since early 19th century, it's been used as a euphemism for you're going to get a baby, right? You're going to have a baby. We say that a woman is expecting, right? There's no evidence of a baby, at least back in the old days there wasn't, right? They couldn't look in there and say, it's a baby. There's no evidence of a baby, but you know that a baby is there. You know that that baby is coming. So what does a, an expectant mother do? She lives in light of the coming reality. You can't see it, but she changes her diet. She gets rid of bad habits, I'm just saying. Right? She eats new, you know, good nutrition, all because she knows there's a baby coming. And what she does impacts that reality that she will see eventually. It's imminent when a woman is pregnant. Um, I've been with a woman who was pregnant three times. I know that there's a part in labor where it's called transition, and they say, I don't want to do this. I think I'd like to go home and do this next week. And the doctor says, sorry, it's happening now. The, the promise is coming. And so with promises, they're evidence of a certain upcoming reality. You don't see it yet, but it's imminent. It's going to happen. And so we as people of God, we live in expectancy. We live expecting. We live expecting that God's promises will be fulfilled in our lives. We know the promises. We haven't seen them yet, but we know that they're imminent. They're going to happen. They're within us. Be about to be born through us. And we live like that as the people of God. God cannot lie. So what God said he would do as a promise, he will do. If we're going to partner with God's promises, we need to understand how they work. And that's pretty much a, the, the goal of this morning's teaching is helping us understand what are promises so that we can partner with the promises. So we can live in expectation that God will do it. So we can live in light of what God has said, even though we don't see it yet, we know it's imminent. I think we call that hope or faith. Uh, I'm asking you to, to listen this morning as a learner because as you hear truth, you get to live out truth. We hear and we believe His promises, but usually... We can't make the promises of God happen. Have you tried that before? You get a promise from God or you get a prophetic word from God and you say, I'm going to make this happen. And God lovingly, I repeat, God lovingly shows you, oh, actually, that's what I'm going to do through you and in you, not what you're going to do. If they're promises by God, then often they're dependent upon God. If God says he'll do it, then we're dependent upon him to do it. So how do we relate to that? How do we partner with God's promises? How do we live in kind of the now and the not yet? God said it, we don't see it, and we're in the middle. What, how do we position ourselves? Because we want to live in the radical middle of faith, right? We want to be faithful people. He said it, we haven't seen it, we want to be leaning into that promise. That's where God's called us, to be people that lean into the promise. And leaning into God's promises means we'll see the kingdom of God come in our lives, the rule and the reign of Jesus in us and through us. The kingdom of God was Jesus' main message, right? That was his theme. His first message was about the kingdom of God. 
his rule and his reign in our lives and through our lives. And if we are the people of God, then our theme will be the kingdom of God. Jesus, come and rule in me in every place. Come and reign in me in every place and let your will be done through me. So I'm just going to ask you this morning, open your heart to hear about promises. Um, Maybe when I talk about promise, immediately in your heart you go, oh yeah, I remember that. That hurt. And we'll talk about that hurt. Let's pray. God, will you come? We know you're here, but would you come to each heart and mind? Help us to listen, to learn, to take in, digest, to live out and believe your promises in Jesus' name. All right. So I'm going to begin with the difference between promise, principle, and proverb. I promise I didn't just do that because of the P's, but I do love three P's. The difference between promises, principles, and proverbs. Let's start with promise. A promise from God, we're, all, we're talking in the context of our faith, a promise from God is a declaration of God that gives the recipient, that's you and me, gives the recipient the right to expect its fulfillment. God said it, therefore he will do it. That's a promise. God will always keep his promises because of his righteous character. Um, I'll just tell on myself for a second here. Adam was gone, you know, two weeks ago. And um, he, he told me one thing to do. He said, Randy, I've set up my weekly email. I've done all the work. All you have to do is write a little blurb and hit send. And I didn't do it. I didn't get it done. I failed in my promise. Because my character apparently isn't perfect. I sent Adam a text and I said, I have lots of excuses, none of them good. Because I didn't do what I promised. Here's God. He always does what he promises. He never fails because his character is pure and perfect. God will never fail to do what God said he would do. So God's promises cannot fail because it would betray his nature. It would be like God going against himself and he just doesn't do that. In fact, he can't betray his nature. Graham Cook says this. I'm just throwing this in because I love it. He says, God is consistent and utterly unpredictable, whereas man is often inconsistent and utterly predictable. (laughs) And, you know, the inconsistent and utterly predictable want to look to the one who is always consistent and unpredictable, right? Unexpected places, unexpected, unexpected ways. Now, some promises from God are conditional. If you do this, then God says, I will do this. Many places in the Bible. If you seek me, you will find me. There's a condition. Hey, go after God. If you're going after God, he'll find you. The good news is sometimes he finds you when you're not looking for him. Right? Unexpected places. He just says, you know what? I don't think you're going to go after me, so I'm going after you. But that promise is conditional. If you seek me, you will find me. There's something for us to do before the fulfillment is probable. And then some promises are personal rather than universal. God has promised certain things to certain people that don't necessarily apply to us. Abraham, I will make you the father of many nations. That's a promise to Abraham. 
It doesn't apply to us. We're the, we're the benefit, uh, we benefit from that promise from God to Abraham, but it's not for us. No, you know, God didn't say, Ken, I love you. You're the, you know, father of many nations. Well, that would kind of mess us up, right? We'd be looking for God to do something that God hasn't promised. Some are personal rather than universal. It's more clear with promises made in a historical context with or to a specific person. So God gave promises to Paul. I'll use you. I've called you as a light to the Gentiles. You know, you're going to go back. uh, You're going to be bound and you're going to go back to Rome and it's going to be bad. It's a promise to a specific person. And some promises are circumstantial rather than universal in relation to time. So they apply to a certain time or situation, but not necessarily to every time or situation. As a charismatic people, we can sometimes get a little off when we, you know, do that like God speak to me and we open the Bible and we do this and say, that's God's word to me. Well, be careful with that. Sometimes that's God's word to you and you take it. But it requires discernment because sometimes you're like, oh, man, you just go in the middle of Isaiah and pull one out and say, that's what God says about me. The wealth of the nations will be mine. Well, eventually, the wealth of the nations will belong to the people of God in heaven. Be careful about applying that here because all of a sudden you'll get in large payments for your Jaguar and so forth. Not all God's promises are positive. I think we need to hear that. Not all of God's promises are necessarily positive. God's promise to forgive us when we repent, 1 John 1, 9, awesome. God has also promised wrath on those who don't believe, 2 Thessalonians 1. That's not real positive. It's still a promise. We don't like that one. It remains true. 1 Peter, God promises persecution to everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus. I've said it before. You don't nail that one up on your fridge, you know. Nevertheless, it's true. So just a reminder, as you're seeking for God's promises in your life, I wouldn't wouldn't advise you look for the negative ones, but remember, some promises of God are not entirely positive. So there's your little primer on uh, promise. Everyone an expert? Feeling good about that? I don't care. We're moving forward anyway. (laughs) I care. That's promise. Let's move to principle. A principle is a rule or an axiom or a doctrine that we take from the Bible and we apply it to the habits of our lives. It's a principle. It's not a promise. It's like, if, if you do this, then here's what you might expect. If a promise is what God says he will do, then a principle is what God says we should do. You hear the difference? A promise is God saying, I will do this. A principle is saying, this would be a great idea for you. Here's what you should do, and there will be blessing to follow. You know, the proverb we love to quote as parents, train up a child in the way he should go, and and when he is old, he will not depart from you. That's not a promise. That's a principle, in my opinion. Because not every parent will train up their child in the way they should go. And so, therefore, they can't expect that necessarily that child will not depart from them. Now, sometimes that, that verse, in my, in my experience, it acts a little promising. 
It's a principle, but it acts a little promisey. My sister, if she was here, I'd still tell the story. My oldest sister was, I won't say what she was, in high school and college. I mean, radical. I lived in fear of what my sister might do because of what my parents, I mean, I just lived in that tension of my sister's way out there. And she would admit it. And she was out there for probably eight or ten years. Jane and I were missionaries in Austria. And I remember we got a phone call from my sister. It's six in the morning, which means it's midnight where she is. And she starts talking about encountering Jesus in this congregational church in New England. And I, I literally put the phone down. I said to Jane, I don't know who I'm talking to. I think this is my sister, but it doesn't sound like her. Get back up. I met Jesus. Jesus is doing this. Filled with the Holy Spirit. All this stuff in a congregational church in, in Hartford, Connecticut. You know, my parents trained her up, and she went away for a long time, and then she came back. I'm just saying, God's faithful to his promises, and even when we work with principle, God will do what God will do. And then there are Proverbs. So we've done promise, we've done principle, and then there are Proverbs. Proverbs are short sayings that express a universal truth, and they present wisdom for practical godly living. So read through the Proverbs. There's a whole book of them, 31, that say, you know, here's a way to live. This is a good idea. This will be good for you. You'll like it if you do it. While promises are declarations that give us the right to expect fulfillment, God promises he will do it. Proverbs are observations that give us a general sense of expectation. You know, if you live like this, this is what will happen. It's better to do this than this. Those are Proverbs. We can live by those. We can't necessarily take them as promises. If we live by the proverb, that doesn't mean that all is well and nothing bad will happen. Still, it's God's instruction for how we live godly lives. A promise carries the sense of, thus saith the Lord, right? When you read a promise in the Bible, God says this, you're like, that's God. God said it. God will do it. Proverbs are more like, this is kind of the way life works. You know, you can expect, you can have some sense of, you know, something will happen, but it's not a promise, so we have to be careful. A promise is, uh, a, promise is a proverb, okay? I know I'm messing with you now. A promise, you can expect it, is a proverb. You can expect it. This is how life works. That doesn't mean that a proverb is necessarily a promise. So you read the thing, you, don't, you can't necessarily expect, well, if I do this thing in Proverbs, then God will do this. Well, it just doesn't always work like that. Example, a, any uh, geometry people in here? One. Thank you, Matthew. One and a half, no, two, Mike, thanks. Okay, come to me if you tell me I'm wrong later, not in public. A square is a rectangle, right? Square is a rectangle, but a rectangle is not necessarily a square, okay? A, a, a promise is a proverb. A proverb is not necessarily a promise. So we've got to be careful how we do with those. The failure to distinguish promises from proverbs is one of the more costly interpretive errors that we make when we follow Jesus. Because it can lead to presumption. I assume God will do this because I'm doing my part. 
and eventually despair. But God, you said this, and I'm doing it, and it's not happening. You must be a liar. You're not loving. You're not good. And that ends up in us losing our faith and despairing. Many of us have seen people walk through that, right? God didn't say what I thought God said he would do, and I've lost my faith, and I'm in despair. We're called and we're empowered to live in the radical middle of hope that stems from faith. At the same time, some of you are saying, like, promise? That sounds scary. <laughs> I don't know if I want to mess with that. That sounds like the long haul. I think I'll stick with principles and proverbs. Let me urge you, don't do it. Bill Johnson has a great saying. He says, we are not called to live by principles. We're called to live by the presence. Lots of good principles in the world, but that's not our guiding force. That's not our guiding truth. The truth is God is present with us, and we live according to that presence. We must not be content to just live in the safe land of Proverbs and principles when we're called and empowered, and I would say destined, to be a missional people of promise. That's God's word to us as a people. The church, you are a missional people of promise. You take it, you believe it, you go out and do it and live according to it, expect, and then God does the rest. Does that make sense so far? Nobody said anything. Okay. Two more distinctions. There's a difference between a scriptural promise that is to all people and a prophetic promise that's just to me or to you. The, the scriptural promise is objective. You can see it from the outside, and it's universal. It applies to everyone. God says something about everyone. It's true for everyone. Amen. The second, the prophetic promise, is subjective. I think God said this. Maybe the Lord's saying this, and it's particular. It's to me. As a church that believes that God speaks today, we get a lot of specific and particular uh, promises. You're up here and the ministry team is here and, and somebody says, I think the Lord's saying you will do this or God wants to do this in you. You take that as a promise. Well, that's awesome. Take it as a promise. But the scriptural promise is to all and um, the, subject, the, uh, the personal promise is to one. So we have to be careful. And I'm not saying that subjective promises are less valid or less uh, stable than a universal uh, promise, but listen to this. A personal word, a personal promise. God, somebody says to you, God says this about you. God says you're going to do this or this is going to happen. They require more discernment in community, more humility in their application and more patience in their fruition. I'll say that again. Those universal promises from Scripture to us, we take them, we believe in them, we go for it, we live in light of them. They're going to happen. That personal prophetic promise, this is going to happen. I think the Lord's saying this. It's why we in the vineyard never say, thus saith the Lord, when we give a prophetic word. Because we're no, we don't know for sure. Turns out we're not God. So we say, I think the Lord might be saying, you know, I have a sense that this, and then you get to test that and discern that, First Thessalonians 5. So the personal word which 
sounds like a promise, requires more discernment in community, more humility, God, you do this, not me, and more patience in waiting for that to come about. There's a difference between those things that God and Scripture say are true about us and those uh, things that the promise that He promises to give to us. So there's God. <laughs> I, don't, don't, I don't know how you picture God. There's God. There are things that He says, I promise this is true about you, and other things He says, I promise to give to you. The faithful response to the first, what God says is true about you, is what? Believe that what God says is true and live in light of that from the conviction of that belief. The faithful response to the second is where, where God just says, here's what I want to give to you. Receive it and trust that God will keep his promise regardless of our circumstances, our feelings, our experience, our thoughts, our fears, our doubts. So that second, God says, I promise I'll give this to you. We can sometimes get angry because God's, God said, I'll give this to you. And we, and we say, yeah, I'll, I'm waiting for it patiently. Give it to me now. And we've got to wait. We literally have to be patient as God decides to give that. Famous preacher from the 19th century, Charles Spurgeon, said this, When I cannot rejoice in what I have, I will look forward to what shall be mine, and I will still rejoice. He's saying, when I look at the promises of God and I realize what I have and I don't see what I thought God was going to give, I'm thankful for what will come and I live and rejoice as if it's going to come. Does that all make sense? We're about to move into application, and so I want to make sure. All right. Seems like that's a long preamble, but we're getting to the good part now. Open your Bible to 2 Corinthians. If you have a Bible, open it. If you have a phone, open it. If you have a brain that memorizes everything, open it. Or look on the screen. That's your last option. 2 Corinthians 1, 20 to 22. 2 Corinthians 1, 20 to 22. I'm going to read it. It'll be up on the screen. I'm going to read it from the NIV. And then I'm going to read it in the message paraphrase. It just gives a little oomph to it. 2 Corinthians 1, 20 to 22. No matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us, and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. Guaranteeing what is to come. Now, here's how Eugene Peterson does it in the paraphrase. Whatever God has promised gets stamped, I like that, stamped with the yes of Jesus. In him, this is what we preach and pray, the great amen. Amen just means let it be so. The great amen God's yes and our yes together, gloriously evident. God affirms us, making us a sure thing in Christ, putting his yes within us. By his spirit, he stamped us with his eternal pledge, a sure beginning of what he is destined to complete. 
I'm talking about promises. I'm talking about principles. I'm talking about Proverbs. But, but mainly, this promise is yes in Jesus. Every promise of God finds its fulfillment for the believer in Christ. Every promise. Jesus and his life work, his death, his resurrection, his sending of the Spirit is the pinnacle of our life in this world. Jesus is it. He's all. And so the, the promises of God are yes for us in Christ. Jesus affirms and confirms the promises of God. So when a sinful person, you don't have to raise your hand, when a sinful person meets a holy God through Jesus, the answer of God is yes. Can I trust you, God, in Jesus? Yes. Can I, do you love me, God, regardless of my feelings and my circumstances? Do you love me? Yes, in Christ. Will you forgive me? I did the same thing over and over and over. Will you forgive me? In Christ, the answer is yes. Will you accept me? God, I feel unacceptable. I feel shameful. Will you accept me? Yes. Ephesians 1.6, we are accepted in the beloved. Will you help me change? You ever pray that? God, I don't really like what's going on. I'm pretty sure you don't like what's going on. I don't know what to do. Will you help me change? In Christ, the answer is yes. Will you give me power to serve you? Yes. Will you keep me? Will you make me secure? In Christ, yes. John chapter 10. And no one can take you out of his hand. You're secure. Can I handle this life, these, this situation, these troubles, these temptations with Jesus in me? The answer is yes. Philippians 4, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. All the promises of God, all the blessings of God in all the heavenly places are yes in Jesus. Jesus is God's absolute yes to all who believe. I know that sounds kind of like kindergarten, you know, you say, you ask any question to a first grader and they just assume the answer is Jesus, you know, whatever. You know, where does the sky come from? Jesus, you know. Why do you like peanuts? Jesus, whatever. But the promises of God to the believer are all yes in Jesus. We will never go wrong if we focus on Jesus. If we focus on him, his life, his, his love, uh, his death, his resurrection, his um, giving the spirit, we'll never go wrong. The promises of God emanate from and consistently point to, and they're grounded upon God's character. And it's revealed in Jesus, right? He's loving and he's good. God's promise is as true as his character. The promise is certain. Hear this part. The timing is open. The promise of God is certain. The timing is open. We get in trouble when we believe God's promise and then we tell him when to do it. The character of God never changes. 1 Thessalonians 5. He is faithful and he will do it. Now we got some understanding of promise. What, what do we do with that? So some responses. First, if you don't know Jesus, come to Jesus. I mean, the, the, the promise of Jesus is if you're, if you're weary and you're burdened, come to me and I will give you rest. 
Learn from me. I'm gentle and humble in heart, and I will give rest for your souls because my, my um, load is light, my, my burden is light. So if, if you don't know God here this morning, come to Jesus. This is your invitation. You want the promises of God? Come to the Son of God. Come to Jesus. If you want to talk about that, talk to anyone on the ministry team, come talk to me, and we'll introduce you, literally introduce you to Jesus, and he will bring the promises of God to your life. Second, open your heart again. Some of us have um, stopped hoping. We've got promises, we've got words, and we've just said, you know, didn't happen the way I thought, didn't happen in my timing, I'm kind of done with that. I've been there in my life before. I remember earlier in my Christian life, after a time of deep disappointment, walking out into a field, and I said to God, you know where I live. If you want to do anything, if you want to talk, I'm here. Otherwise, I'm out. That's hopelessness. Guess what? In the midst of that, God came after me. God found me. God called me again. God healed me. God used me. Test your faith again. Lean in. You remember that early time in your Christian walk where everything was exciting and you were leaning in, you were believing everything? Don't be afraid to do it again. Lean in to the promise. One of the ways we partner with God is leaning into what God's doing. You know, it's like standing on a door, like leaning on a door, just waiting it for it to open. And when it opens, if you're leaning, you can't help but go through. Some of us stand at the door with God and his promises, and we're like this, not open, not open, ah, giving up. But if you're leaning on the door in prayer, in your life, when God opens the door, guess what? You fall at his feet. That's a good place to be with regard to the promises of God. Don't lean in alone. If you're going to take that posture, if you're going to go after it, if you're going to believe God again, don't do it by yourself. Do it in community. Do it with uh, trusting friends. Do it in a small group. Do it in a, on a ministry team. Don't do it alone. Not only will they keep you accountable, but when you lean in, the door opens and the kingdom of God comes, everybody gets blessed. So don't lean in alone. Let's stand. like to ask the ministry team to come forward. If you're on the ministry team, come on forward and just stand. We'll, we'll take some time in response here. I'll give you, I want to give you some prompts. Again, if God spoke to you earlier before any of my words came out of my mouth, listen to God, not me. Honestly, listen to God, not me. But if anything that God said through me strikes you, then I just want to give a couple of invitations. If this morning you just, you just, I don't mean just, you need to come to Jesus, come to Jesus. If you've been in this church many times, or this is your first time, or whatever, and you realize, I actually don't know God. I, I don't know if I'm saved. I don't know if I'll go to heaven when I die. I don't know what it means to have Jesus in me. I want you to come forward. I want you to talk to us. I want you to come to Jesus. Second, my encouragement Search the Bible for promises to receive. Live in. To, to, to live with expectancy of, with, with, uh, with faith. Despite your feelings and your circumstances, go back to the Scriptures, the Word of God, 
and ask, God, what are the promises for me? Where do I need to live? What's my expectation? What do, what do I need to lean into right now? You know, when I, uh, when I talk to, I've said this before, but when I talk to men about dealing with lust and pornography and so forth, I give them a promise. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, I say, here's the promise, because I memorized this 30 years ago. Um, there is therefore now no temptation that's overtaken you, but such as is common to man. That also means women. But God is faithful, and he will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able, so that you may be able to endure it. So I talk to men. I say, you feel tempted. You feel like, I, I can't help but do this. Guess what? You can. The promise of God. He will never allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. Will it feel like you're unable? Yes. Are you unable? No. The promise is there is a way of escape. You know, put that on any addiction or any tendency, that you, any place where you walk away from the power of Jesus and try to live in the power of self. So search the Bible for promises. Um, lots, of, I'll put some stuff on, on my notes. You know, who I am in Christ from Neil Anderson. Lots of uh, promises, declarations that you can make that are true about you because you're in Christ. Recall the prophetic words you've received from God or others so that you can hope again. Recall them. Bring them back up. Write them down again. Put them on post-it notes on your mirror. Remember what God has said to you about you so you can hope again, so you can pray into them, so you can lean into them. Ask God for a principle or a, pr or a proverb that might frame this season of your life. God, what do you, how do you want me to live today? And maybe God will give you a principle or a proverb from the Scripture that says, here's, here's your attitude, here's your positioning, here's your posture for this season. Finally, position your mind and your heart to agree with what, who God is, what God says about you, and what God's called you to do. Let's pray. God, we thank you that you are completely present and all of you is here in all of us so God come we ask Holy Spirit would you come and inspire and instruct would you plant promises in our minds and hearts so we can walk in light of them with full conviction that you will keep your promise God give us grace change our posture today that we might lean in and not away from your promises that we might not despair, that we might not presume, but we might not despair. Holy Spirit, come and work in us. If you uh, have a sense God wants to do something in you, then I just ask you to come forward, talk to any of these people on the, on the ministry team, talk to someone that you came with, Go, go to your small group uh, this week and say, here's what God said to me. Help me partner with the promise of God in my life. A couple of things God's saying through his people this morning. Um, so this morning I was sitting there trying to worship and was wrestling through feeling disconnected, frustrated, exhausted. And, uh, and the Lord gave me a picture uh, of something that resonated when I was growing up. Uh, I grew up on a farm, and out in the middle of the cow pasture, there was this old hand pump. 
And uh, I can remember we would walk up to that hand pump as kids, and sometimes you'd, you'd grab the handle and pump and nothing would come out. You knew there was water down in the ground, um, but because air had built up there um, in the pump, it wouldn't allow the water to come out. And so I remember my dad saying, sometimes you gotta prime the pump. You know, you can't just keep pressing on the handle. That's not going to work. You've gotta take water in a bucket and have it dumped down in the cylinder if it's gonna restore the flow again. And, and I felt the Lord say, you know, that's like, that's what you need. You know, you, you're, you're going and you're cranking on the handle on the force rod and it's just not gonna bring the water up. You've gotta be primed. And I, I think, I know for me, what I heard was, you know, the, the Holy Spirit's in you. The water's down in there. It's ready to flow again, but you can't just make it flow. You've gotta ask me to prime the pump. And so yeah. let that be an invitation to you as well. You know, some of us need to be primed, and it's okay. The Holy Spirit wants to flow in us again, and we can look forward to that. Thanks, Mike. <clears throat> We're partnering. I feel like Randy. Hi, my name's Jane. Um, as we were worshiping, the Lord gave me this word. I'm just going to read it because I can't remember. Um, I saw us kneeling before the throne. And Jesus anointing each of us and commissioning us into uh, the anointing he blessed us with at the, at the time of our birth. Um, Lord, thank you for these words. I, I just ask um, that our souls line up with our spirits and that uh, we are open to letting the Holy Spirit prime the pump um, and that we take courage in the anointing that you have blessed us with. Bless us today, Lord. Uh, give us encouragement and hope. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks, Jane. Uh, Mike and Jane, if you guys wouldn't mind, maybe you could just be up here and pray for people that might respond to those words. That'd be great. All right. If you have an inclination to come forward, God's speaking to you, come forward and ask for prayer. If you just need to be in God's presence for, for a while, you're welcome to stay as long as you want. Otherwise, as you go, go in peace. Oh, <laughs> except for this. Uh, if you are unfamiliar with the prophetic discerner role, if you guys feel like the Lord is sharing something with you throughout the service that, or perhaps you're coming into the service with something that you think could be for the entire congregation, 